we met uh, 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. I was really grateful that you let me speak to you then. Of course. Since then, you've, you've literally done so much with Beyond Meat. Thank you. If you had to pinpoint one kind of like bit of progress that really stands out to you, what would it be? You know, I think the um, one of the things we really look at as a um, point of transition in the business is gaining entry into the meat case. Um, and so while um, that was something that we've been working on you know, for many, many years, uh, it you know, finally happened in, in 2016, and that propelled us, um, I think, onto a national stage uh, in terms of the, um, the mainstream consumer. And so we went from Whole Foods and into a lot of conventional grocers. Um, and, and more recently, Target. Uh, yeah, Target. But the, 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 the statistic that I am really um, excited about is one where... You know, when I got, we got into the meat case, we thought, okay, let's get in there. Let's see if we can, you know, represent plant-based meat well. Let's see if we can, um, you know, not get thrown out, things like that, you know. And in Southern California, in one of the largest conventional retailers in the country, their Southern California district, we are now the number one selling patty in the meat case. So ahead of Angus, ahead of 80-20 beef, ahead of turkey, ahead of chicken patties. That's by unit, not by weight yet. But to have that level of interest in the products in the meat case itself this soon was really exciting. Are you ahead of targets? We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to go from you know just trying to be the new kid on the block to all of a sudden having a leadership position in the meat case in terms of patties, that was really uh, a momentous event for us. Now you've got into the meat aisle, as you said. If you've got exclusivity on that, and if not, are you worried that you've kind of done the hard work and then your competition will, for example, follow? Is that something in your mind? You know, um, I think the category grows as, as more and more companies make the right levels of investment in building meat from plants. And so to the extent that they're willing to make that investment and develop products that are worthy of being in the meat case, I think that can only help the sector overall. Um, but in terms of how do we deal with competition in general, um, you're, you're sitting in, in our answer. Like we, we um, overinvest in research and development. Um, you know, we, we have, as, as we mentioned, the, the new research center, Manhattan Beach Project, um, up in uh, up, up the street. Just briefly, what is that? Sure. So the Manhattan Beach Project is um, an initiative we've had for many years here um, at, at Beyond Meat. And it was meant to um, evoke the, um, the, the climate, the energy, the um, urgency and sophistication of the Manhattan Project in the Second World War. The idea that you can bring together uh, the very best scientists in the world, you can give them a clear target, and you can properly fund them and then kind of get out of the way, um, was something I wanted to instill our organization with. And so, so picking that name uh, was important for that reason. We have done that. We've gotten the best scientists in the world. So they're literally from all over the world, which I find really interesting. Um, we give them this clear target of 80-20 beef or you know, pork, et cetera, and then say, okay, go build that. And they bring in all the disciplines from medicine to biophysics to, to whatever you need to answer that calling. And so um, you know, if you're trying to copy what we're doing, uh, you're most likely chasing a ghost because our goal is to make the products that we sell on the shelf obsolete. We always try to make those products obsolete. And so unless someone has inside information, it's very hard for people to keep up with us because we're innovating so quickly and we have such disregard for our previous product. You know, we just want to make it better each time. It's interesting you say that because my next question was going to be, do you think your success is due to 
you disrupting an industry and your research and what you've done? Or do you think it's just a case of you being in that that wind and kind of jumping onto the plant-based bandwagon? Sure. Um, I think it's bigger than us for sure. I mean, I think the consumer is changing and we just happen to be very blessed and fortunate to to, to be in the right place at the right time with respect to are we willing to commit the investment levels? Are we um, able to attract the best talent? Um, are we able to hold ourselves accountable to um, our ultimate goal, which is a perfect build of meat from plants? And so I think maybe where, where we differ from some organizations is we're just not going to stop until we get there. Um, and our products today aren't good enough. I think they're good, but they're not um, indistinguishable from animal protein. And we have a firm belief that they can be. Um, and so keep working toward that goal. And, and um, to the extent that others have been more willing in the past to say, you know what, it's good enough, let's stop, that's not our approach. And so uh, we want all four plates at the dinner table. We don't want just one. Um, and so we want it to be so good that someone has to ask themselves the question, well, why wouldn't I eat this? Mm-hmm. You've got such a clear goal, right? Yeah. Is it easy to um, become obsessive and single-minded? <laughs> like, how has it affected right. your personal life i mean not i don't want to get into your personal life no, obviously but in terms of like do you check your phone in the middle of the night for emails sure yeah i mean it's a blessing to to a joy to be involved in something that does take you to the, the border of obsession you know um because that's where you, you really become alive and productive and 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 um you know very few people have that in their day-to-day work um and so I think it is, um, you know, I was talking with someone yesterday and they were talking about words like passion and focus and things like that. And if you combine those words and you take them to an extreme, you get to obsession, you know. And and so I think it can be healthy if it's channeled in the right directions. Well, I think we need it, don't we? Because the what's happening on the planet is pretty extreme. It's pretty bad. So you need something yeah. to counter that, right? Well, I talk to my children about this. My kids are 12 and 13 now. And, you know, particularly my son, he has big aspirations for the type of athlete he wants to be, for example. And my comment to him is always, you know, um, extraordinary outcomes uh, don't occur without extraordinary input, you know. And so all these kids dream about having these great outcomes athletically, but they forget to put the work in, you know. And and you're not going to get an extraordinary outcome uh, without extraordinary effort and and extraordinary input, something unusual. Um, And I think we're willing to do the unusual here. Mm -hmm talked about the investment a couple of minutes ago but what's interesting about your company is it seems to be tied up with like the PR if you look at who's come on board Leonardo DiCaprio recently it's all like a well-oiled machine it seems really well run everything the investment is working with the PR would you say that's that's the correct interpretation of it I appreciate the um, that perspective on it I mean it's um, it starts with you know are you aligned around that clear and simple goal of you know, building meat from plants and doing it doing it to the point where it's indistinguishable. And if you're kind of true to that and you really stay focused on that and you set individual egos aside and set, you know, set aside agendas and just like relentlessly focus on that particular goal, you attract really interesting people. And so more than being strategic, I think it's just a process of the company evolving. Um, and we're not going to say no to that, to, to someone like Leonardo wanting to get involved. Um, uh, and we, we certainly courted him, but but um, you know uh, it's it's to us it seems very natural. Like okay, there's a group of people that are trying to solve this problem. Let's bring that group of people together under a brand. And at some point, it morphs into a movement, you know, or we morph into that movement. 
how many do you think you'll still be taking investment in three years? Say? I'd love to because um, it just allows really great people to get behind the brand. The challenge is that we're we're sort of tapering down that phase of the business, um, and so yeah, we're not we're probably unlikely to do another private round. You probably get more investment interest than you can afford in terms of shares. It's a blessing. Right? I mean, we we we've we've had that. Problem right. recently, and I can tell you, I've been on the other side of that. So it's a good <laughs> it, problem. it feels pretty good. I've definitely been on the other side of it, where you can't raise the money you need, and so uh, I guess over time it evens out. Does it hurt when people call your products fake, fake meat? Yeah, it does. It annoys me. Why? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the phone that you're holding in your hand is not a fake phone. You know, it doesn't look like a landline. You know, it it, uh, it doesn't transmit the information in the same way, but we don't call it a fake phone, right? And so, yeah, our meat is not built the same way that meat used to be built, but it serves the same functions, it appears the same way, it satiates the same way. And that's really, if we're doing our job, it will be indistinguishable to the consumer. And so at what point are you willing to let go of the origin of meat and say it has to come from a chicken, cow, or pig, and able to think about meat in terms of composition? Does it have the amino acids? Does it have the lipids? Does it have trace minerals? Does it have water? If it has all those things that organized in the same structure, why is that not meat? And so, yeah, I don't like to use uh, the word fake. Your mission is to mimic the taste and texture of real meat, right? Yeah. So why, how come you tweak... Or to build it, rather, to, to right. build the real taste and texture. How come you um, tweak the cholesterol level? Surely if you wanted to stay true to your mission, yeah. you'd yeah. keep the cholesterol level the same, yeah. everything the same. Yeah. Well, it's funny, the cholesterol level in our products is zero because we can't, there is no sort of plant-based source of cholesterol that, that, that would be useful. But um, saturated fat... Uh, we do put saturated fat in it, um, but not at the same levels of animal protein, um, because I think if you're starting from a blank slate, um, you know, can you optimize uh, everything? You know, can you can you put just the right amount of saturated fat in to give the satiating experience, to give the mouthfeel, but not so much that you're going to be, you know, um, as unhealthy as a piece of, of 80-20 beef from that perspective. Um, and so we take all that into consideration and spend hours debating and trying to figure out what the exact number is. But yeah, we do keep it lower because I think that most consumers look at plant-based meat and say, okay, this is going to be healthier for me. And if we have saturated fat levels that are more than what's in an 80-20 burger beef or a burger or, you know, slightly less, but not in a meaningful way, I think that betrays our trust. Mm -hmm. What other products have you got coming out or that are already out? Right. So we often people associate the, the Beyond Burger of your company. You're yeah. more than that, right? I appreciate that. Yeah, so we have this uh, sausage that's coming out now. It's rolling out. Um, it'll be in retail stores really soon, but Whole Foods, et cetera. Um, it's in, it's in um, you know, select restaurants. It's in Veggie Grill. It's in, in a bunch of really cool sausage uh, establishments. Um, and that's going to be the focus for us this year is that is is that sausage. And again, that sausage, I think it's really good, but we already have versions that we're working on that we think will be better. What other products are in the pipeline? Yeah. I mean, if you look at our platforms, we really have, we have a beef platform, we have a pork platform, and then we have a chicken platform. Chicken we haven't done much with in years because we just feel that if you look at the way the consumer is moving, you know, they're pulling off a red meat at, at, at a higher rate, and then they're pulling off a processed meats at a higher rate. And they, do, you, do you not think they're pulling off the red meat to the chicken? Yeah, right? they could be doing that. They could be doing it. But I think people still want the, you know, they don't want the, um, they still want the beef experience, and so that's where we get that consumer. Um, but so we're, we're going to continue to build those platforms, particularly the beef and pork platform, 
and then iterate off of those. So, in, you know, I can't tell you when, but, but you know, in the future, you'll see things from us as diverse as bacon or, or um, ground beef, et cetera. Um, that's on our pipeline, but, but the, the dates mean everything, and I can't tell it. Do you think the Beyond brand will ever go into, say, leather? No. no. Why not? It's, it fits the brand. It <laughs> yeah, fits it what does. you're trying to do. Why not? No, it's a great idea. I mean, I, I think a lot about dairy as well, and, and you know, these folks and the men and women here would would love the opportunity to work on, you know, plant-based milk and plant-based, um, you know, uh, um, uh, dairy products. But, um, you know, I think focus is everything, you know, and, and if, if we just stay focused, okay, there's these three species, you got the chicken, you know, the pig and the cow, makes up so much of the livestock issue. Let's focus on those. Um, you know, maybe there'll be some, some incidental thing along the way that we're like, oh, well, it's so simple to do this. We'll go ahead and, 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 and commercialize that. But right now, I think there are a lot of good groups that are working on things like that. Um, you know, on the, for example, I get asked that a lot about seafood. And I point out that um, there's a, a, a good group called Good Catch, which is coming out with plant-based seafood products um, that I think will be pretty good. Um, and so, you know, again, when, you, when you're sort of morphing and, and you're on that borderline between brand and movement, you know, I, I you welcome stuff like that. Because, okay, I'll focus on this, you guys focus on that, let's go. Do you work with the other guys in the same field? I think we're collaborative. I mean, there's some that we're not collaborative with, um, but that's more, um, uh, yeah, but in general, yes. Yeah. You don't want to collaborate with everybody? I think there's a better, there's a more natural fit for collaboration among ones where you're not directly competitive with. Like, so we're not going to be in seafood. It makes sense for us to, to be supportive in that regard. But maybe where there's someone that's directly competing for accounts with us, then we would be less. But I think in each case, we're all focused on that, you know, very, very large, you know, animal meat market. And so it doesn't make sense to, to, to not uh, kind of give each other helping hand when we can. This segues onto just my next question, the topic of animal testing. Is this something you're always going to stay away from? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Is that something you said from the outset? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I try as hard as I can in the products I buy to avoid that. Like, even when I get to a hotel, like I'll check the shampoo and <laughs> does it have a little sign on it? I just don't think that's necessary. Um, and I think that the uh, earth has given us enough material to work with that's understood um, that uh, we don't need to genetically modify things. Um, you know, it's a it's an amazing scientific effort to say, okay, with the abundance of plant material on the Earth's surface, you know, what can we go use to directly build meat from plants? And 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 once you start thinking about, and you know this very well, once you start thinking about the plant kingdom as a source of protein, it's an almost infinite amount of feedstocks to use. You know, and I, I'm amazed every day the ones that I learn about. Um, but that's what's most exciting to me is, is how do you reorient agriculture away from you know, the statistic of 80% of arable lands being in animal feed or you know, in grazing land. How do you orient it away from that into the direct planting of protein for human consumption? Um, and these are familiar crops, uh, you know, like you know, camelina or uh, pick like lupin or you know, peas or mustard seed or even tobacco leaves have protein in them. And, and um, all of those things, you know, should be looked at as sources of protein, and, and I don't think that requires new testing. Why do you constantly use the uh, um, mention the macronutrient protein? Your right. products have yeah. more than protein. Protein, I know. 
I don't know. I guess I'm. I'm is, is it is it a PR thing? I think it is, right? Well, I think it's just personal in the sense that, like, I grew up uh, with the focus on protein, like every you know most most people do. I mean, you know, am I getting enough protein? And of course, the, the truth is, we all get too much protein here in America, with the exception of those that are malnourished. Um, but yeah, it is only half the game, right? I mean, there's there's the you know the the, the the one of the hardest things about our products and any companies working on this is the the role of fat and the distribution of fat. You know, how do you the way it's designed in an animal, right? It's it's interlaid and, and there's pockets and there's you know the distribution is uneven and 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 when you're doing that with with plant material, it can sometimes come out too homogeneous. And so our game is how do you make it more varied? How do you develop pockets of fat in the product, things like that? Um, and then there's the flavor. You know, we talked about this before, but there's over a thousand, over a thousand molecules that make meat taste like meat. How do you drill down to find the ones that are carrying the load, and then find those molecules or analog molecules in, in plants and get them into into the product? Um, everything from the sound of the product as it cooks to um, the aroma that's being emitted, uh, when the flavor changes, does the flavor change too much in the wrong direction as it gets too, as it gets heated more and more? So if someone really likes their burger at three minutes each side, maybe someone else likes it at two minutes, maybe someone else likes it at four and a half, is it going to taste consistent throughout that or are the inputs we're using going to change in a way that's not advantageous to the flavor profile? All these things are complex and that's what we focus on. Are you giving up trying to keep up with it? No, I love it. No, no, no I really? Mean, with all the other stuff you got going on in the business, you're trying to keep up with the lab stuff a little bit? I pretty much like this part of the business in t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Your products are in over 25,000 stores in the US, right? You've yeah. sold 11 million products. Yeah. Are you able to keep up with demand? Um, historically, we've had trouble with that. Um, and you know, just like any business, I mean, there have been times when we've overbuilt stock and that was really in the early days of the business you know and, and did some just hard stuff like like hired too many people and things like that and and uh but now we're at a phase where we can't keep up to the extent we want to um and so we're really developing more and more manufacturing capacity so we just went from a much smaller facility in missouri where we produce all the protein um to eighty thousand square feet you know to, to have really enough room to continue to grow we keep bringing on new production partners, whether in Texas, here in, in California, looking elsewhere, uh, Georgia, et cetera. Um, and the, the mantra really is, you know, let's build a bucket that's so big that, you know, it can handle all the water that can be poured into it. And if at the end of the day we've built it and there's still about this much left, that's okay. Nice. You know, I'll take the blame for that because I'd rather be in that position than in the other position of just not being able to provide product to great customers like Whole Foods and Walmart and all that. They don't like it when you can't supply, you know. One of your investors or investments was from Tyson Foods, right? Are they, mm. was that just an investment or are they helping with consultancy, scaling up, that kind of thing? Yeah, no, they've been great. I mean, they've been, they've Because I remember at one point you said it was an investment only. Right. Um, Is that still true? I mean, in a formal sense, yes. Um, but um, just as, you know, as, as when a, I think a group of constructive productive people get together and we set aside any difference we might have, you know, and say, okay, what's our common goal? Our common goal is to feed, you know, 7 billion plus sustainably uh, protein. How do you do that? Um, we start to work together, you know, and they have so many great research and development resources. I mean, if you've been to Springdale, their, their research and development center is pretty impressive. Um, 
And so it's very tempting to collaborate, and we do. Um, but there's no formal relationship between a company other than investment. Mm -hmm. Besides the, um, you know, the aims you've got to impact the planet more environmentally and stuff like that, what are like the the financial goals? What kind of market are you going to try and take over? Right. Because I mean, often, often people ask you that, and then you say, oh, I'm more concentrating on like the environment and the ethical issues." But actually, I'm going to, I want to flip the question. Yeah, no, sure. No, I mean, I'm definitely aggressive. Like I, you know, I, I will always favor market share over price. You know, I will always like. So I, I mean, I've, I've learned this from someone who did this well. That you, know, you have to surround yourself with people who are going to negotiate on pricing because I certainly can't because I just sort of salivate at greater market share. And um, you know, greater market share, greater impact, et cetera, greater impact. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I want to be on every plate, um, and you know, our marketing reflects that. In fact, like if you know, we, we would get a lot of pressure from more traditional marketers that would say, well, look, you know, the CEO of the household is the mom, which is true. Even even with the changing workforce, more women entering the workforce, et cetera, is still the decision maker more times than not is going to be the female head of the household in traditional families. And um, so we have to 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 be very um, cognizant of that as we market, but you can't forget the rest of the family. You know, dad's got to get on board. The kids have to get on board. So how do you arm mom with the tools she needs? And we do that by focusing on athletes because we believe that their use of the product is so genuine and authentic because they're using it for all kinds of reasons. They want to keep the light frame, they're worried about you know inflammation in their joints, all the things that our products can help them do. So it's very organic for them to use the product. They get excited about our company, and you know who's better than an than an, than an athlete to be our advocate? You know they're fit, they're healthy, they're they're often doing great things and accomplishing great things that, that require a really healthy body. So we rely on them to 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 market, and that's about capturing that whole table. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me yesterday, um, what, "Who are you going to see at Beyond Me?" I said. Ethan Brown, they said, oh, he's, he's, he, I said, he's an animal rights activist working within capitalism. Do you hate me for that? Or what's your take on that statement? I know it's fine. I mean, uh, you know, it's, um, <laughs> that was a joke, by the way, but I, I, okay. I just want to explore like the, the concept of like, you're basically trying to make the world a better place, but you're doing right. it within the capitalist model, right? Is right. that how you see things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do, I think, you know, I don't have, I don't have a tremendous amount of faith in the government. Um, you know, uh, I think is our system is overwhelmed and kind of broken. Um, you I assume know, they haven't given you any support. No. Um, well, I mean, I should. The states have. I mean, the state state governments have. Like, uh, we've gotten some grants for university work with the University of Maryland, and, and you know, I've, I've certainly benefited a tremendous amount from the great public um, universities we have here. And I've said this before. Like, I don't. I'm always amazed at how little people mine universities for for great inventions and and, 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 and technologies because they have all these professors that are just paid to tinker and teach and think and they come up with these amazing things and yet they're not able to commercialize them and so that's where entrepreneurs come in um, and so I have benefited from from state governments and from universities but the federal government is more um, of a nuisance than not does it sort of intimidate you how much uh, subsidies they they give out to the animal agricultural industry, I think and you're and you're basically uh, you haven't got any of that, and you're trying to price match them, right? I think it's more annoying and intimidating in the sense that um, you know this is between us and the consumer. Consumer's leading this, and we're trying to respond. You know, like the consumer saying, "I want this to work," 
And we're saying, okay, well, we're going to try to spend enough. We're going to try to get the brightest people. We're going to try to be intense and focused enough to create a piece of meat year after year, to improve it year after year so that you can have a delicious burger, have a delicious hot dog, et cetera, without having come from an animal. And, and so that's between the consumer and the company. The, the government, federal government can distort that with subsidies and, and other things. Um, but thus far, it's really been just about the consumer and, and ourselves. How do you see the price drop going? What's the trajectory of that? Um, At the moment, it's what, $12 in, say, Veggie Grill? Just yeah, no, that's, like that. that's that, Veggie Grill's a great customer, but, you know, that, that's on them. <laughs> I eat it. I mean, and, you know, we, we, my son, it's his favorite restaurant by far. Uh, and and uh, is it too much day to what you want it to be? Uh, you know, within the context of their pricing, that makes sense, and they're right, they're doing yeah. great. They got lines out the door. It's an amazing place and great food. It's a, it's an incredible success story. But I mean, if like if you guys had you know help from like the federal government, yeah. Right, oh well, so so I think that where where pricing is really interesting for us is if you go to the meat case itself, we're still higher than even grass fed beef. And that's a that's an issue we have to address, and and it'll come because you know you know this math very well. But you know if you're starting with the same material, which is plants in a field, and you're running them you know through our system versus running for an animal, it's so much more efficient. You use less material, less time, etc. So why are we more expensive? It doesn't make any sense. And the only answer to that is scale. You know we just don't have the scale yet, and the supply chain doesn't have the scale yet. You know the, all of these. So the pulse market has exploded. There's a lot more pulses coming on as crops, but the separation facilities are now needing to come on quicker to be able to handle more capacity. And so as they come on quicker and there's more competition in the separation facilities where they're separating protein from fiber and we can use that protein, prices will start going down. Let's talk about um, your products. So you're just going to be in the US. So I heard you expanding. Yeah. Seth Goldman told us yeah. last year they're yeah. expanding to the UK. Yeah. So we got a great... Uh, great initiative there. So Seth is leading the kind of strategy internationally on on sales and working with Chuck Muth, who's our chief growth officer, and um, and uh, Ehab, who we just brought on as an international sales guy. Um, Can you tell us anything exclusive about where you're planning to launch? What what's going on with that? I think it's it's. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff coming. I mean, we're going to be in 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 the EU this year. In certain countries, where, where? I can't, I can't say not because I don't want to tell you. It's just that we're still working sure. out the details. Seth said the UK is that still one? UK, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. that one I can. Who talk you in talks with? Um, well, Tesco. Tesco just released a new um, plant-based lines. So they're, they're great. Wicked, wicked healthy. Yeah, you got it, man. I love that. Have yeah. you met? Have you met him? Oh, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. The company that I mentioned, Good Catch, it's his brother. Yes. Chats, right? Yeah, yes. you should talk to them. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm actually friends with them. Yeah, yeah. They collaborate with the Good Food Institute quite a lot, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And good. I heard recently you're working with them. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think PHW in Germany invested in Good Catch as well. So that's really neat. It's a big poultry company. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're going into to Australia um, and a bunch of other places. But yeah, but mm-hmm. but um, uh, as those deals are still being worked, I don't know the exact. Yeah, sure, sure. Do. What other co- um, countries like? Uh, on the horizon at the moment? I think until the deals are totally done, I shouldn't mention them, but you know, we are in Hong Kong, for example, which is well known. I mean, we'll be, like, we are aggressive. Like, we'll, we'll be in more places than not, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, that's not true globally, but our efforts are to be everywhere we can be. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the process of trying to get it into, like, fast food stores? Yeah. Is that a big headache for you? 
It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, because it's so such a um, high impact outcome. Right. Uh, you preach McDonald's. <laughs> uh, you know, we're talking to all of them for sure. I mean, we have NDAs and things, so I can't go into it. But, but um, you know, one of them is going to break. I mean, for sure. Like, the, the, and there's a lot of enthusiasm within the, that space to do this. It's just a question of how to do it in a way that's going to appeal to the most number of consumers. But yeah, they're, I mean, they get it. They see it coming. Mm-hmm. Have you got a whole team of people liaising with those kind of companies? Uh, we have a pretty big effort, yeah. Yeah, pretty big effort, as does anyone in the space. I mean, I don't think ours is particularly different from anyone else in the space. Do you think companies like you influence, say, the McVegan in Finland? No, no. I think that's the consumer. Like, and I'm super excited to see that, you know, like that. Have you had it? I haven't. No, I want to go uh, there I'm and try it. it. Yeah, I'd like to try yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the dream is to be able to go to McDonald's and just have a complete plant-based version of what they do. I mean, I've always said this, that McDonald's, you know, is never going to be known for salads, at least in our lifetime. Um, and so why not stick to your guns and, and make what you're great at, make burgers and just make them from plants. So can you tell me about the split between vegan and omnivore? Who's, who's buying your products? Right. We don't have great statistical information on that. Um, we do know from um, we do know from uh, exit interviews with people as they leave the meat case that we've done on spot basis that we think about seventy percent of them that are buying the product are um, meat eaters, um, and you know that's all about placement. They go, they see it, they're like, why not? I try it, they like it, they come back and more. How have you given your product such a kind of mainstream appeal? I guess would be the, the next question to follow on from that. It's two things is taste. I mean, taste is king. Like, just make it taste great. Um, make sure the nutritionals are solid. You know, like, so you, you know, you could make something taste great and have it be totally unhealthy to people. And I think you betray their trust that way. So let's make it taste great. Let's, let's make sure it is healthier for them, which we're very clear on. Um, and then let's speak to them in a way that, you know, I, I think it's a bad idea to build a business telling people not to do what they love. It's a great idea to build a business saying, look, we're going to enable you to eat what you love, but it's going to be better for you and better for the earth. You know, and that's how we build our business. We talk about, in fact, I think we trademarked eat what you love. Like, we believe that. We believe what we're doing. My son has more rather than less burger occasions because he has our burger. You know, he, he sometimes has five or six a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never let him do that with 80-20, but I do let him do it in this case because I know it's healthy for him. I guess a big thing as well is being in the, the meat aisle. Do you think people look back at that and see that as a really historic, two, was it 2017? I think that was 16, yeah, 16, 16 yeah, yeah. Whole Foods. Is that are people going to look back at that and think that was really historic? I, I hope. Um, I mean, the guy who we really are indebted to for that is a guy named Tom Rich at Whole Foods. And he just, like a lot of people said no, they didn't want to do it. And he was a, a VP in the Colorado area. So I'll do it. And he did it and was transformational. Um, and, you know, I think we've, been fair to them in the sense of sales have been great you know it's a great partnership whole foods is a huge part of our story like we wouldn't be here without Whole foods um they helped us at every turn even when we were just working with universities in 2009 they were there helping you know so mm-hmm. you cool. said your kids are 12 and 13 i think you yeah. told jane bellas mitchell that by true. the time they can drive you want yeah. your products to be in fast food chains is that still one do you reckon yeah mcdonald's yeah uh yeah absolutely and so i'm running out of time <laughs> But it'll happen. I guarantee it. I mean, I, I feel we're that close. I don't have any reason to feel that way. From a, There's no communication from them that says, hey, we're going to do this. But I just feel the consumer is, for all the reasons that you're so well aware of, you know, health, 
climate, natural resources, and a welfare. Can you just in a, in a couple of sound bites go through the benefits of sure. your products? Sure. Not to cut you off, but no, it's fine. Just for the people that aren't familiar, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I think I think the the way I think about it is the consumer is being bombarded every day almost now with one piece of information or another uh, about the consumption of animal protein. And you know, you look at human health and you know, the heart disease, diabetes, cancer. I think that World Health Organization set a good sort of summary. Of, of the issues, and then you know, take every six months, you know, USC or some university comes out with something. NIH comes out with a study about the levels of meatweed and the type of meatweed and, and the issues around whether it be colon cancer, heart disease, whatever. So there's that. The consumer hears that, and then then the consumer hears about climate change, and, and I think more and more people are becoming aware that that livestock is the single most important driver in greenhouse gas emissions. You know, you look at natural resources, we have you know, drought issues here in California, but yet, we, you know, there's a lot of that goes, to, a lot of the water we have goes to animal agriculture or agriculture in general, but, but animals are certainly a big part of that. Um, and then you look at, uh, you know, animal welfare. And the thing you're holding in your hand, I think, has probably done more for animal welfare than anything. You know, the, the ability for kids to see on their phone how their food is being made and how the animals are being treated during that process. And many are raising their hands and say, I don't want to be part of this anymore. I know I see that in my own kids. Um, they certainly, you know, well, they listen to me because I'm their dad. That's the stuff that moves them. Sure. And uh, and so we have this tremendous push from millennials who are saying, I don't want, I want to opt out of that system. I want more transparency. I'm open to the idea that meat can come from plants because I'm open to the fact that taxis aren't as good as Uber. I'm open to the fact that you know phones don't need landlines. Open to all these things have changed that, that someday YouTube may take over cable, things like that. So what we're doing is not so strange to that generation. And you have people who are 40 and older who doctors saying, you know, you, you have cholesterol, you got to watch that. Heart disease is in your family. Here's the things you can do. Maybe they have a cancer scare, things like that. So it's all these factors are pushing this movement in a way. And, and we, by trying to provide products that are, that are truly satiating, we're benefiting from that. Mm-hmm. Just quickly on the PR before we end, you were in South Park recently. How yeah. much? that was your doing none none at all i appreciate you asking that yeah i love that segment like yeah, yeah. Guess one is funny that was amazing that was incredible dr oz how much of that was him or you or a little bit both? i don't know about that that was probably more orchestrated thing but yeah but um the south park thing was amazing and the other thing that's been amazing and really fantastic is kyrie irving uh kyrie irving yeah if you look the- yeah basketball player if you look at his press conferences and things like that, or him getting on and off the plane or bus, he's often wearing uh, one of our hats. And that's really gratifying to me because, you know, I believe so strongly the product is the right product for people who are really physically active. And I remember when I was younger looking at the Got Milk campaign and seeing the milk mustache, and I think I might have told you this before, but we hired the architect of that campaign, and I said, I would really like you to build the same thing for my company because I believe that in our case, it's really true that if you feed this to your kids, your kids are gonna grow up and be really healthy. They're gonna be fit. You know, they're gonna they're going to have the right juice going into their body to be really vital human beings. And so we worked together on this, we started this thing called the Future Protein, which he came up with, which I think is brilliant. And um, then we sort of differed on exactly how to execute it, but the main idea is, is um, you know, let's Give it a mainstream appeal, right? Yeah, and let's tell the truth about it. Like you know, there's no, there's there's no marketing jazz and that stuff. I mean, you have our products, you're gonna feel good, you're gonna be lighter. You can, you can go for a run right after your burger. 
you know, you're not going to have a pit in your stomach. So let's go tell that story. Mm-hmm. You've like gone to like uh, events like VegFest, and do you seem to be open to uh, working with like the the animal rights community yeah. a little bit in that sense? You obviously made that decision a few years ago. It's probably quite a natural one, right? Were you worried in the back of your head, though, that would be a bad thing for the marketing of your products? I, I think it's something that people... Um, because, like, veganism and, like, animal rights and animal welfare is associated with some uh, kind of vibe in a field that you're not really going for, sure. right? Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I think you have to... I mean, the difference is that, that I'm very willing to... You know, like the people I respect the most, like, you know, my dad is visiting here, for example. I mean, he eats meat, you know, and, and yeah, I, you know, I just couldn't say enough great things about him. You know, um, people are on a different point in their journey. You know, sure. pe- people have a different relationship with this subject than I do. And I just have to be cognizant of that and, and respect that. Um, but I mean, the specific question was about your decision to be open to going open. to things like right. VegFest. Right. Right, and obviously the marketing of your products is really important. I'm just trying to get a feel of like that decision right. to, to be because you look at your competition, for example, they're, they're open less it. open yeah. to that kind of community. And right. I would have said three, four years ago, or maybe it's a little bit like risky, right? But right. You've, you've like you've made that decision. It seems to be paying off because right. everyone seems to love your product. Well, thank the you. vegans, the veggies, the omnivores. You. you know Dave Chappelle, the comedian. So he's a hilarious comedian. Um, you know, he sort of gets away with what he does because he insults everybody. <laughs> you know, like it's just, he's one of those guys who can do it. Um, and I think the way that we approach that question of animal rights is, is something that I care about. Um, but, you know, after I see you today, I'm going to see someone who runs one of the largest beef slaughterhouses in the country. I have a great comfort level with both sides of mm-hmm. the argument, right? And not in terms of the, you know, I believe in the merits of one side of it. But I certainly have an understanding of the other. Um, and I think I've mentioned it before. And I grew up in Washington, D.C. and in College Park, Maryland. <clears throat> but we had a farm that was supposed to be a place to go recreate. And it ended up becoming a business for my, my dad, a, a Holstein cattle uh, uh, dairy business, Holstein dairy business. So I spent a lot of time there, and I still go there today. It's no longer a dairy business, but neighbors there raise beef, you know. And, and um, I just view it differently. But, you know, thank God for, you know, kids and sports and, you know, politics. You can talk about other things. You know, you don't have to talk about the one area where you have differences. And so I have to be true to myself, and I do care about the issue of animal rights. But I also care about those people feeling respected and able to to, to live the lives that they want to live in. Uh, last question. Um, biggest challenge uh, doing what you do and any closing remarks? Right. Um... The biggest challenge is, is dealing with impatience, basically, like I think our own, in a sense that, you know, we want this to be better than it is. Uh, and I think we want that pretty badly. Um, but there's steps you have to take to get there. And so, you know, you, you put out the best you can do every year and then you try to make it better. And, you know, that it can be frustrating the amount of time that takes. And so I find that challenging, you know, to, to have to wait. You know, to, to have to say, okay, well, we're going to take another six months of this, you know, because I just feel like every inch of improvement you make, you, know, you go a mile in terms of the number of consumers that will come into your brand, you know, because they want this to work. There's that latent demand. Consumers want to eat meat, but they don't want it, all the bad stuff that goes along with it. 
So that, that I think, is, is it would be the biggest challenge. The other one is capacity. You know, just trying to predict the levels of demand and keep up with it is, is it's a good problem to have, but that's been hard. You know, there, like last summer, we didn't have enough capacity, and that was really challenging for us. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much for sure. doing this. I really appreciate it.